Kia ora and welcome to episode 277 of the Stag World Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed and have uh, left us a rating, slap those five stars, so to speak. This episode I'm joined by Sam Kapoor from Glacier Rifle Company. Uh, Glacier Rifle Company is a family-owned third-generation business operating out of Hamilton, New Zealand. I had the pleasure of going into their magnificent workshop and looking at uh, machines that I had no idea about. Uh, what did he say? Five-axis CNC machines. I was just like, crikey dicks. Where do you start? Um, our company has been manufacturing mission-critical components and sub-assemblies into the aerospace, satellite, and defense in- industries for local and international customers for over 63 years. So uh, you know the quality is baked in. Understanding performance needs from first-hand experience in New Zealand terrain, and with our passion for hunting, our rifle performance is driven by accuracy, weight, reliability, and ease of carry. We can personally customize rifles with variations specific to your needs. This includes custom actions, bespoke bolt handles, artwork on the receiver and bottom metal, and specific finishes on stocks. We understand what a rifle means to you and what it says about you. We know it's more than just a sporting tool. It's a statement too. So this episode is quite introductory to Glacier Rifle. Um, What Sam and I sort of discussed is that in a few months' time we'll get Gerald, his dad, down uh, as well. um, And we'll have a real sort of nut out of, of a few things. So the key for this episode is if you've got some questions, please submit them in. Because that'll be that'll be super helpful um, for that second episode, especially getting uh, Gerald into the mix. That'll be that'll be pretty pretty exciting. Um, who watched the Chiefs on Friday? Sam Kane getting over the uh, white line with with a vengeance. The the strength on that man, the resilience on that man. I uh, put up a cheeky post that there's probably a bit of Kane's dear velvet to do with that. Our bodies know how to heal, and boy, that boy has uh, had some aches and pains heal. But as we age, it can sometimes struggle to keep up, and injuries, aches and pains, as we're talking about, come knocking. Kane's deer velvet is packed full of amazing nutrients that the body uses in maintaining the immune system, bones, joints, circulation, and general well-being. Simply replenish the nutrients, healing happens, and you are left to get on with living your life to the full, like being the all-black captain and uh, leading the Chiefs out to a magnificent victory over the Crusaders. Find out more at www.kanesdearvelvet.com and use the code STAGROAD252 to get yourself 20% introductory discount. That's at www.kanesdearvelvet.com, but you just need to punch that uh, button in the show notes. While you're there, if you're after some electrolytes, crikey dicks, I did the Tongariro Crossing and back. We didn't go all the way to the end, but we went to wear that hut. They got bloody bowled by, by an eruption had been, and then we ran back. So a cheeky 26 and a bit Ks, probably a bit off more than I can chew. Um, I was out there with Charles Peters, um, go back and check out his episode, and Paddy Davin, uh, go back a wee way further and check out my episode with Paddy. I actually have to sit down again with Paddy, he's doing great work with Paddy Trains, um, and Charles and I also need to sit down again and have a good, good chew the fat after our awesome mission together. Um, over the Tongariro, but yeah, electrolytes, golly, do they come in handy? Uh, drinkelement.com slash stagraw, and uh, when the brain's not so good because you've deprived it of everything, uh, reach for a drink out Ipa when you're back in the service station or the supermarket, um, or if you'd like to have a stash like I do, drinkartipa.com slash collections slash all products, just you know, that'll take you to the shop, and you can use stagraw for 20% off that order. Um, right. Without further ado, episode 277, we're trucking along. Um, leave those five stars. That'll help more people here and uh, enjoy the Stag Raw podcast and help us keep bringing you these awesome episodes. Enjoy. What do I do with my drink? Put it over there. It's a small one, is it? That's your one. And you've got the uh, world's longest drink of juice, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's too hot today, so I thought I'd have some juice instead. But yeah, 28 degrees in the mighty uh, Wakatumba, the old Wakachang Chang. Uh, it's been sweating in the workshop. What did you have to come in to do? Um, innovating on a new tool. 
for a carbon fiber project I've got going. So I won't give you too much detail on it, but with some circles with some holes in it. Yeah, and some outside donuts. <laughs> but it should be pretty good once it's up and running. The prototype's done its part, and now I need to make it look like it's a real thing. So is that for you guys or for a client? No, for Glacier. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Off a glacier, right? Yeah, so not just the rifles, but other industries too. Yeah. Mm. So what's the whole big unit company going on here? Uh, I won't give you the proper name, but I'll give you MTE. Yeah. Yep. Um, 64 years of precision manufacturing Yeah. here in the Waikato. Started back in the early days uh, with my grandfather and uh, his sons and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And now myself and my cousin. Mm. And so we, you were telling me when, when we were heading into your little carbon workshop that you wanted to be a farmer. Yep. And Dad said, no, you've got to get a trade. And so you're like, oh, okay, I would do engineering. Um, what was what was the case for him? Or did you didn't, not know? Did he have a choice? <laughs> <laughs> I think quite a bit of it had something to do with, like, um, he had a vision, I think. But I could be totally wrong at the same time. Uh, growing up as kids, we used to ride our bikes around... The workshop factory or on the machines and play with the handles on the machines you know play with lego and and uh, meccano and connects all, all that sort of hands-on stuff mm. and then i think he probably saw something that i don't know people look out for in engineers or people that are quite creative mm-hmm. mm. and then kind of set it up as well, well we'll let you do this and you can be as creative as you want to be but when it comes to the final point of being at school it's we're going to guide you where we want you to sort of go. Yeah. And it's paid off quite well, I think. Yeah. Mm. So how many siblings you got? I got an older brother and a younger sister. And are they involved? Uh, yeah, my brother does a lot of the accounts and um, oversees a lot of the financials of the business. Mm-hmm. And my sister used to when she was uh, going through her like tech days, early childhood, doing career work and picking up and dropping off. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So what were you doing in school? Did you do like middle work or it was kind of like not worth it because there was a way better workshop here? <laughs> yeah, definitely that. The school I went to um, for high school didn't really have a lot of stuff there. You're either into um, like arts and crafts. Yeah. And they'd send you out outside of school to go and do other projects. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. So it was all outsourced to other schools to use their technology rooms and and yeah, carpentry tools. What about design and, and um, drawing aspect? Did they have that? Yeah, I did NCA level level one, I think it was in design. Yeah, and that was just basically getting the they use protractors and and stuff to do your um your plan drawings. Yeah, so t- t- it was na- narrow technical drawing. Yeah, I was real crap at it. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily the computers are... I was about to say, you else. can run a CAD program. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can design it all myself on the computer. Idea on my head to a, a hand sketch to then turn it into a 3D model and then print it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the old 3D printer. Yep. And then like the back engineering to be able to make it at scale. Yep. What... I don't know. How do you even write a program or what, what sort of goes on there? Um, so you've got like a model. Yeah, so we'll take a 3D model and then we'll turn that 3D model into um, what we call CAM. Mm-hmm. So it's now a CAMing programming software. It takes the, the Parasolid or the IGS or, or the SAT file and it creates all the geometries for you to turn into parameters for the machining and you have to create the toolpaths to to make that part happen. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to tell it where it is in the vice or on the machine, uh, what tool is going to come in and cut it with, um, what sort of surface finish do you want, all the feeds and speeds. Yeah. And it's a really easy way to make a mistake <laughs> because you're not doing it by hand. My, my trade started off as manual machining, so, um, you know, using manual mills and lathes and, and grinders. Yeah. So to make a mistake, it was a lot harder. And now on a CNC, you might have missed something on the computer and go to your machine, push go, and it'll plunge the cutter into the part. <laughs> Take out the spindle or yeah, machine your vice, which is quite often. <laughs> yeah. so that, that, well, that's just the wrong grid type thing. 
Yeah, you've told it to go somewhere else, or you, you've rushed something, or you haven't checked the wee parameters off. Yeah. <laughs> it won't do it for you. Yeah, yeah. I had this thing with my daughter, this, uh, my girlfriend today. It was like that uh, Taylor Swift song, "The Problem Is Me," is so applicable to so many things. So many people need to take on board that song, and yeah. and like computers, eh, it's look at look at yourself. You told it did what you told it to do. <laughs> yeah. That's what our quality engineers always say. Yeah, you've made the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> not not the machine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. So why why glacier? Um, Gerald did a couple of trips up into the the Godly, mm-hmm. and he kind of fell in love with it. Yeah, the, the big glacier faces, the old glacier faces, have been shingled in rock. Yeah. Yeah. And so did he come? He came up with the name, or yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we we uh, ballparked it for a long time at work. We had a whole entire wall of like A3 papers and different names and everyone at work could recommend a name at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. So how long ago was that? Sure, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And so who did you say was the other rifle company that was in here? Uh, stock company that was in here? Uh, that was when High Tech was here in 2019. Yeah. yeah. I guess he had two years of overlap. Yeah. So we were, we were making our own actions, uh, all the components. And then we needed a stock to go with it, so we worked with another company to, to make our stocks. And then we thought we'd give it a try ourselves. Mm-hmm. It worked out quite well. Nice. And and so we we did you see a market for this, or was it you guys' own interest, or uh, mainly around our own interest? So we don't do a lot of hunting as much as we'd like to, but having a really nice lightweight firearm at the same time. <laughs> On a, on a really reliable platform, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And so, what was your first first rifle made out of here? So there was one to four, I believe it was, and they were uh, six and a half by point two eight fours. With uh, South Fort carbon barrels, um, our titanium actions, and the South Fort we were making the stocks for us at the time. Yeah. yeah. And you remember what it weighed in it? Yeah, they were six and a half pounds. <laughs> yeah. Strong as anything. Yeah. Yep. And so, what's what's the aim each time? Light, so, lighter, like. <laughs> so that's it, a like a, a hot question. Really, you can go light or you can go heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, we can make a stock weigh six hundred grams or five hundred grams. Um, but then if you're going to put a big chunky barrel on there, there's your weight already compromised. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a really lightweight action, but once again, a carbon barrel or a steel barrel, you can just change your weight just like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. So on the carbon barrel, that was what I said one of my questions was, Yep. what have you done to it? <laughs> Nothing. We don't, we don't do a heck of a lot to the barrels. So we'll buy them as barrel blanks um, and then do our machining from that part. Which is what? Uh, so we'll do the chambering and, and we'll put the crown on the muzzle thread mm-hmm. and then seat them into our receivers. Yeah. And the barrel is really the barrel blank. So <coughs> it's either fluted or, or standard. So why is why is a carbon wrapped barrel a thing? Have they used less metal or what what have they done there? Yeah, they've they've machined a section out of the barrel to accommodate for the carbon fiber to go onto. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I, I don't have the biggest range of knowledge on carbon barrels. I'd rather just stick to what we know how to make and it seems to work really well. Everyone's got a different opinion on carbon barrels and whether they're good or not good. Um, but yeah, they, they machine them down nearly pencil thin and then they'll wrap carbon through the middle of them and then that's done. It's the same with how the Yanks do it compared to New Zealanders and it comes down to their process control. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. And, then, and then the argument... What what's what are the arguments around it? Why it's good and why it's not good? Uh, a lot of traditional shooters, <laughs> different generation, I guess, of hunters. Um, wear and tear. You can always shorten a steel barrel. You can't shorten a carbon barrel. Yep. Yeah. You want to make some changes. You can't really do that. You're always limited. Yeah. Mm. Righto. So it's like if you want to change your mind. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. In. And so that that comes at a customer request usually? Yeah. Yeah. So our, our customers will come to us pretty much knowing what they want already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's quite handy because they, they know what their caliper is, they know what their barrel length is, um, they're rather hand loading themselves or just shooting factory ammo and it's, it's, it saves a lot of time for us going backwards and forwards. So if someone's loading themselves, can you adjust that sort of um, sizing for them? If they give us the specs, yep. Yeah. But we haven't done it yet, so... <laughs> yeah, so um, I spoke about Gwyn Thurlow. He came over to me and he, at the Sega show and he was kind of like, oh, he's going to make make some stuff for Greg. And you always see Greg talking about that he can't get much more height out of his, out of his round. Like he's doing those little stumpy... Um, stumpy brass and then and then tries to get the length of the of the projectile out as far as he can but he's limited by that is is that the sort of thing that goes on people try to get lots of powder in and, and nice nice and uh, high seated bullets and so they want to want to give a good is it chamber yeah i'm not actually too sure I'm you don't hand load no i don't <laughs> box and match over there you know it's, yeah yeah I, I try and keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. If I can buy it anywhere else, I know it's going to shoot pretty good. So yeah, everything else normally goes over my head a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it goes over my head too. Like I, like I read those articles and they talk about the different like sections of a, of a rifle and I'm like, fuck me, where, where's that? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make it lighter. Yeah. Mm. And so why did you start with that, that um, caliber? Which one? Uh, six and a half by point two eight four. Yeah, um, I'm not actually too sure. I think it was just what what Peter and and Colin and Gerald wanted to shoot with. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, it's quite a bit, little bit of a wildcat round, but it's got a bit of a punch. Yeah, mm. and that was for hunting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and so is mostly been hunters coming coming in, or yeah, yeah. Yep. We've only really dealt with hunters. We haven't done with anyone that's into the PRS competition shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want heavier, right? Yep. <laughs> and we can make it heavier. That's easy to do. Yeah. Yep. So those that wood and composite, what's what has made them be what people have made stocks out of? We've picked carbon. We don't do any wooden stocks. Yeah. Purely because wooden stocks need a lot of finishing requirements done to them. Mm-hmm. Um, our carbon is, is nice and rigid and stiff. So we get quite a lot of strength from the direction of how we lay our carbon and mm-hmm. the type of epoxy resins we use uh, in the pre-preg system. And the fill that we put in the stocks makes them even stiffer and lighter from there onwards. Mm. Like you saw the shell, you couldn't crush a shell with your hand, but nah. others you can and it's just a decorative layer. Mm. We want to be able to support the whole rifle and your bipod and the, the shooter and the bag at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm. And if you're full, it shouldn't be any compromise to your stock or your rifle. <laughs> Not that you should, but yeah. If we can make it better from the start, we'll, we'll keep on engaging that. So that, that fill is what's going to protect it on a fall? That's like a dampener. So the, the carbon's nice and stiff, but at the same time, it's sometimes like a bit of a plastic. Mm. So it should be able to take some impact and not shatter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the way that we lay our materials inside the stock in the mould and the directions that we lay those materials in is how we guarantee the stiffness for the shooter yeah. mm-hmm. and the impact resistance. Just don't drop your rifle. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah. touch wood. <laughs> touch wood or yeah. carbon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. And so now you can do any any um, caliber or? Like any sort of inlet. Yeah. Yeah, so we, do, we can do Sarkos, Remingtons, Howlers. Uh, weather bees um, yeah we've done some defiance actions now um, if, if you've got it we can put it in there yeah yeah and what you've got a mold for that or you no nah, so it's quite a universal mold really we can put a Howard Remington and a Tika into the same platform yeah into one of our stocks anyway yeah it's it, the geometries are pretty similar to each other yeah sometimes it'll have bits of uh, stock missing to clear certain sections on the receiver but besides that it doesn't change the strength or the functionality of the stock yeah mm. and so how long does it take to make one from start to finish yeah for about four days yep and what's what's the true turnaround if someone they go on your website or yeah we don't have the stocks on there at the moment um we're only recently discussing that because it's become more of a market for us mm-hmm 
and we're starting to get more people show interest in what we do because of our quality and and um, our pricing and it's all made here in, in Hamilton mm-hmm. but you've realistically got a three-week window for a custom inlet so we can take your psycho action uh, 3d scan it measure it take that as a model take that out of the stock as a subtraction and then machine your stock from there and then if it's any more than three weeks, it, it can be up to six weeks, depending on how busy we are and what other lead times are like. But yeah, we've always got a couple of blanks lying around. So on the how busy we are, what's allocated for Glacier? From here where we're sitting? Yeah. I'd probably say 30%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So it's done and become a big deal. Yep. yep. We keep stock of all our components. Yeah. So we're always ahead of ourselves with manufacturing time. Nice. Mm. <laughs> Having that manufacturing in-house is what's helping us do that. Yeah. Keep all the overheads low, production and quality high, and turn around as smooth as we can. So what's driving all this? Like, I guess just our passion to have our own product. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a lot of other New Zealanders and Australians which are really interested in what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the moment of like publishing the brand and things like that? So we were supposed to have launched originally in 2020 yeah um at the seeker show but then it got cancelled mm-hmm. and then 21 it got cancelled and then we came into 22 and we, we did the show yeah and um that was that was supposed to be our main launch to the public yes yeah. prior to that we we're only selling rifles to um hunters that would come into new zealand and they're wanting to to get their trophy and, and have a nice lightweight rifle at the same time so overseas people knew about you yep yeah. And how were they knowing about you? Well, just word of mouth. <laughs> From working with brands and states. Yep. Yeah. And it's we've got a lot of great talent in New Zealand. And um, there's a lot of people that are keen to bring New Zealand brands to life. Yeah. Which is quite good. Mm. So is that sort of IP, your connection with the states brands? How does that sort of start? Can you tell us? Or <laughs> no. no, not really. Um, that's IP. Yeah, that's, that's mainly Gerald's market. Yeah. I just stick to what I can make and what we manufacture and yeah, try and stay busy and do, do my day job at the same time. Yeah. Mm. So does he spend a bit of time in the States or? No. No? Um, we're supposed to during COVID, but I had paid for all the flights. Everything was ready to go over to, to Texas and then uh, COVID came and I was had to go Larry. Keen as I don't care about this cold one. I'll go over and do what I can and yeah and they cancelled one flight and they cancelled another flight oh the flights okay. yeah. yeah so the show went ahead yeah 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 that was Texas wasn't it they, they I don't think it's the rest of the world really they care <laughs> what they're doing New Zealand went into well especially here in Hamilton jeez you got you got eaten up by the Auckland yeah yeah I was down in Tukuroa just outside of everything but I was still having to drive to Marissa and pick my daughter up like get escorted across the railway bridge mm-hmm. by the police and uh, it wasn't just me but geez it was a bit of a shit show up there yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. No, oh, <laughs> so the keys with your flights fuck yeah and accommodation and rental cars and yeah, yeah so, so none of your is your crossover with your other engineering brands and the people that you know or yeah so mainly the industries that we work in yeah, yeah. they go into arms and things no they just like hunting and they just like hunting yeah, yeah. so they're more like customer type word of mouth sort of stuff yep oh wow yeah yeah, as <laughs> I was, I was thinking, you know, buying space in Washington, so. <laughs> yeah, a lot of aircraft. A lot of aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that whole, that whole industry and you know personnel and crossover with military and stuff like that. There's, you know, you just got to look at the big military, military brands and you know, personalities, and mm. what they're into hunting and surviving and shooting and stuff sort of come comes about. Did, is it sort of being being picked up by anything like that? No, 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 not from my understanding. Yeah. No. Do they does carbon go into hand hand guns as well or no? I haven't seen anything yet. I know um, uh, um, Breda do a really nice carbon fibre trigger guards for their shotguns. Yeah. Yeah. So they make the whole component out of carbon fibre. Um, they look really nice, but I'm not too sure if they use any of that sort of work on on hand guns. Yeah. yeah. And so your butt stocks. Yep. What are they for the shotguns? Yeah, for the shotguns. Yeah. What do they put onto? They go onto Benelli M twos. Yeah. Yep. So they'll take the twelve gauge platform, 
and the Super Black Eagle 12 gauge. Yeah. Yep. And what, they just take off the existing one? Yep. Slap yours on? Yep. Is that aftermarket or before? Aftermarket. Aftermarket. Yep. So they're, they're a beautiful, I think they're a beautiful product. That's what kind of played a game of cards. Um, I told some people that I could do it. I needed to prove that I could do it because it hadn't been done and it's worked out quite well so yeah they're really nice and light really rigid and they can they can do everything that the normal plastic ones do but they've reduced recoil right because of the stiffness of the materials and the type of recoil pad that we manufacture helps absorb all that felt recoil so that's what the shooter's getting out of it yep and is the weight doing much for them no that's a like a hard question because some people once again want a, a heavier shotgun so they can stay on point some people want something that's really nice and balanced yeah um and some people want something that's nice and light because they just don't want to carry it for a long time yeah you know and so again is that going into hunters or is that um more competition shooters many hunters i think there's only three three or four of them out there for competition shooters yeah yeah oh wow have to keep an eye out yeah, it's it's one of those products I think we should put more time into, but yeah, it's um, hard when you're trying to focus more on the rifle side of things and the yeah. stock side. So, so did you have that at the Seeker Show or no? Yep. You did? Yep. And did any game bird shooters start looking your way? or? They did, but I think it's um, uh, maybe a lack of education. People see it as something new and they're like, oh, why should I change that? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And it's it's too too modern maybe <laughs> everyone likes a black synthetic or yeah camo or a nice wooden stock so but the, the carbon definitely looks nice so did you come up with the idea or somebody i came up with the idea on those ones and yeah i told somebody about it and then i had to make it happen so yeah yeah tell the right person yep <laughs> we're not telling you no. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fascinating mm. and then so are they just the right person that it's rolled out yeah, and it's, it's rolled out quite slowly at the same time, which is quite good. Um, would like to see more sales locally, but hmm. yeah, it's for education and, and show points and getting into the right people's hands, I guess. Yeah, like you're saying, they're expecting 10%. No, that what you've given them has been 10% of what they're expecting. Yeah. Yeah, which was kind of to your relief, right? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, as you've seen the workshop, it's, it's mainly set up around... Our, our manufacturing yeah. precision engineering and this this started off as I guess some people said it was like a passion project but it kind of weaned itself into a small efficient business now yeah mm. yeah it is <laughs> what would you have done? Uh, I don't know to be honest I haven't really put much thought into it again since it happened yeah yeah but probably would have had to tool up quite a lot mm extend the building <laughs> find another building find another building yeah be, yeah. be back in your uh, grandfather's conundrum find another building yeah well that's growing you know he started in the in the back of a, like a, a wooden shed mm-hmm. back in the day and, and now when you look at how big we are now it's yeah, in 64 years yeah gained a lot from a diesel mechanic to to precision engineering mm. hey, wh- why did that evolve from like clients or people asking or oh, can you do this as well or probably going to say that wrong because i don't quite know the full picture i've been told it many times but he was refurbishing and manufacturing fuel pumps mm-hmm. for um cummins engines and stuff and cat and he saw a gap in the market that no one else was filling refurbishing these parts and having to buy new parts all the time right from the states and the yep. yeah and being in New Zealand, you're so far away and you'd have to go through dealerships to, to get these components. Mm-hmm. And um, we could do it here, all here in New Zealand. So, yeah, he gave it a crack and grew it. And do you know if his feedback's been, like, he got taken up? Because I met the guys behind Waratah. Yep. And he was saying how he was sending units to South America, to Australia, to America, to Canada, mm. to Europe. But all the guys in New Zealand, all they wanted was a maple leaf or a stars and stripes on their unit, and they didn't buy from him for ages. Did, was was that similar, or was it was a different case where there was no other option? It was pay for the shipping, pay for the price of an international thing, or get a refurb. Yeah, I think back back then it was pay for a refurb or pay for a new one. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but my understanding, a lot of it came from Mexico and they're, they're working backwards. So yeah. yeah. They'd send the old ones away, get refurbed, then they'll come back to New Zealand. And you can do that all, all here. Yeah. Mm. Whereas here, yeah. So have, have we just sort of been forced into engineering in, in this country because we're so far away? Like, the, like do it yourself thing is really high within en- engineering and big industry. Yeah, I think so. And if you want it better, yeah, it's easy to get it done here. If you want a good turnaround, like um, there's a saying that the old man often says is, when we're awake, they're asleep, and when they're asleep, um, we're awake. So yeah, might have got that wrong, but um, we can do things quicker here while they're solving problems over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's like you soon you have a breakage. In the middle of the morning, you get on the phone or send an email or leave a message. Then they wake up the next day, mm. they do it, then they implement it. Whereas you can be, yeah, working on the same timeline. Yeah, yeah, and it gets started. And you know, like I know, a couple of uh, forestry engineers that you know get in their truck, drive out there with the component, and fix it in the in the yeah whatever out there in the forest is back running, but. Yep. It's the same with the truck, and know. it's raining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and the job gets done. Whereas, you know, that old saying, "Time is money," comes yeah. in. Yeah, and especially if it's not not needed to be put on a truck. Yeah. No, I guess it's good that we're here. We're in the heart of the Waikato, mm-hmm. um, and we can service all those industries. Mm. Yeah. Now, engineering—it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Like. Growing up watching that Brett Monroe, like he was just a, a tinkerer, mm. like making valves, making pistons, and <laughs> whatever, chopping rubber off his tires to go faster and shit like that. But you know, that's that sort of stuff that turns into massive, massive companies. Yeah. Some like Gallagher's, you know, oh, we'll, we'll make the tool, we'll make the component, yep. and then we'll send it all around the world. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of how, how I think, really. Yeah. So we did our barrel clips uh, yep. through GRC and they started off as a 3d printed prototype to grc yeah a glacier rifle company yeah um and then they started off as just 3d printed parts to become full-on safety features to have in my wires and hunting huts and so what what are they it's a uh, barrel clip so you screw it to your wall and then you can clip your gun your rifle barrel into it mm-hmm. and it's not going to knock it around can't fall over yeah mm. so as opposed to the like Gun gun rack that's in a in a hut. Yeah, leaning up against the wall with a block of timber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to Old Marie the other week. And I was like, oh, so this is a gun rack in a hut. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot safer. Yeah, especially in my most mm. simple, very dock. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, all the NZDAs around the place. Yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be working on. Yeah, get sidetracked. So you you're off to speak at. Waikato, is that right? Yep, on uh, Thursday night. Oh, so that's this week. So yep. if you listen to it, it was last week. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But you, you guys have a relationship with that club, is that right? I personally don't. Um, my old man and, and mum, they're in that club. Yeah. Yep. Um, I first joined up the Thames Valley Deer Stalkers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And did, a, did an awesome hunt down on Stuart Island with them um, after I'd done the hunts course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did the hunts course through Team Valley. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the best things I'd, I'd never really signed up for, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I might seven years deep do one, eh? That's <laughs> oh, worth it. Um, Gerald just did another one, so. Yeah. Yeah. As in, took took part in it? Yeah, or? took part in it. Yep. Nice. <laughs> How long has he been hunting for? Uh, shoot, I think since his, his 20s. Yeah. yeah. But not as, as hardcore, I guess, as what a lot of other people do. Yeah, and then Paul Michael's supposed to be putting out a video series soon as well. Okay. Yeah, like a hunting, I think, blueprint, he said. Yep. Whereas that game dog stuff's a, a top-up on top of the, the dog training. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that will, that will be super valuable. Yeah. I'm hoping to go hunting with the guys, a few of the guys from Bay of Plenty in August, but we'll see what life happens between the, here and there, like... That message would be, I think you did last year, like, oh, we go on a helicopter hunt in August, you should come. I'm like, 
I'd like to. Like, it is my 35th birthday then. I could probably, like, swindle that as that's what it is. But mm. I think they'd do it a week or so. And I'm like, plus the helicopter. You're like, oh, a week off work and helicopter. I don't know. We'll see. Have to put it under the guise of a birthday, I think. Skip <laughs> <laughs> would pay cash. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Um, where did you go in Sri Lanka? Oh, shoot. I don't even know how long ago it was now. I was probably 17. Yeah. 18. Yeah. And that was... Just last year, wasn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Shaved just for that too. Yeah. Um, no, I can't even put a date on it. I thought I ran back on the photo album and having a look at the photos. Um, but it was great. Um, awesome part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what block you went into? Or? No, I can't even remember that. Mm-hmm. I got a photo. Yeah. Did you have a hut? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And did you go fishing and... No, nah, no fishing. It was pretty surfy where we were. Yeah. Um, so we flew and landed on the beach. And then we unloaded the plane and went up to the hut through yeah. the dunes. And then we were there for seven days, I think, in total. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that plane was from Invercargill? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Straight onto the beach. It's loose. And did you get anything? No. No? Besides lots of photos and a good time. Yeah. I'll see if I can find it. Because Maureen, she'll, she'll probably listen to this and she'll be correcting me the whole time. Is that at Lady at Thames? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Maureen's name keeps coming up a lot. <laughs> Lots of knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely priceless, yeah. You know, it's amazing when you run into people like that, eh? There's like the people you least expect. And yeah. I'm um, super lucky at work in, in Topoi. have Mary Matushka come in, who's made like the Wapiti statue down oh, wow. in Tiana. He's made the tar statue that's in Tikapo. Yep. Um, he's the Duke of Bedford trophy that the NZ, or maybe it's the Tafia Nation, gives out. Um, he made that and it's like bronze. I actually got to hold it at the Secret Show. It's so heavy. But yeah, he's um, he's got a deer farm north of Topol and yeah, it's just like, oh, come around. you got to come see my farm. Yeah. And he's got like tar and a zebra and seeker and lots of, lots of stuff on his place. He's got hunting on his place as well. He helped um, the Hamilton Zoo get uh, black buck oh yeah 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 and so he had some black buck at his place for a while as well so in his house he's got a black buck trophy which is pretty cool not many people have those especially no. especially from new zealand rather than <laughs> from africa yeah and yeah just like the knowledge of deer industry hunting you know meat hunting all that sort of stuff he gave me a really good book um author's name's Joff and it's called uh, Deer Hunter and it's about <clears throat> sort of post depression all the deer culling that was going on um, the guy worked sort of in Manipuri um, up the Rakaia yeah, and then around Hutt, Lake Hawea and like Wanago Makarora where I've been hunting um, so yeah it's just like one of those things you're reading it has a good good section on going wapiti hunting as well yeah yeah, it's really one of the really good books and I ran into a guy at a deer farming sort of open day up in near Reparar and again this guy was like oh really good hunting books and deer hunter and I was like I just finished reading that that's so good <laughs> nice I'll yeah. have a look for it yeah do you do you read much or consume much of like hunting content or no 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 there's a stack of magazines behind you yeah they've got a Facebook marketplace to start digging through and having another look but um besides working and, and trying to innovate and come up with more creative ways yeah to do things um no not as much as i probably should sort of got there we've got some rod and rifles some nz outdoor nz hunter what's what's the sort of like i said seeker show two three years ago was supposed to be the launch what's it what's it like now Having a launch like that at the sex show, then going right. How do we get people to hear about us? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I spoke with the guys at NZ Ammunition, and they were basically like, "Ah, oh, there's not much we can do. There's you know these magazines, and even even talking with Saren about the shop and you know the content that he can put up on Instagram and what gets pulled, and every time we get something pulled, then the whole the whole account just gets stymied." Facebook you pretty much 
uh, dreaming if you want to put anything firearms related on yeah we don't pay for advertising which is quite nice at the moment um looking at a few avenues for magazines mm. not to i guess sell rifles in but just to check a photo up and and actually show what we can do here mm-hmm. um i also want to try and show more of the manufacturing side of what we do so mm. that people can get educated and know that this is manufactured here in new zealand it's not imported so that price difference between what you see for a brand new Sarko and a New Zealand rifle is quite on comparison with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm. The difference is you're not making thousands, you're making tens. Yeah. 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 And and how much can it be personalised? Heaps. So from the start, we've always done custom engraving. Mm-hmm. So you can have your own um, name on the side of your rifle. Um, you can have your own serial numbers. We do this really nice CNC machine engraving on the machines. And if you've got your own uh, family crest or emblem, we can put that same feature on the stock. Yeah. Or on your receiver itself, or in the bottom middle. Yeah. And so that was that kind of like that little um, glacier logo that you had on the one you were showing me? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's quite nice. It's just that, that, that different touch, the more personal touch you can make it. Mm. It's more of a custom rifle, but it's that heirloom at the same time you can utilize and use, and it's still a tool at the end of the day. Yeah. That's the thing with wooden stocks. Lots of people have engraved them, eh? And, yep. and you know, there was again in that deer hunter book, guys in the colours that would waste time in camp and make intricate designs on their stocks. And mm. I think the same was in a lot of those um, Lee Enfield army rifles. A lot of them guys would be sitting in trenches or tents and make make their own mark on them. Yeah, we've got our own way, proprietary way of putting um, engravings on the stocks themselves. Yeah. To add grip or to add a, a really cool feature that stands out from everyone else's carbon fiber stock. Mm. And we can do that because we know how much carbon goes into into that stock in, in certain places at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you're not weakening it or anything. And the, the goal of that was to try and create a, a, another personal touch, but to make it look like it's a, it's a modern firearm with these new modern technologies. It's not new, but for a lot of people it is. But now it also can look a bit like a traditional firearm with your, your hatching and yeah. Yeah. So on the grip, like um, you said, you've tried a couple of coatings and yep. like you say you've roughed it up in different ways. What what would you like to sort of educate people about your material? Oh, it's 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 smooth, but it's at the same time it makes you more streamlined to go through the bush and through the trees and it helps you go through the cycle jack a lot easier. Mm-hmm cuts the wind friction down as you're passing through climbing over but it's um it's durable and it's it, it can be slippery to some people's hands but uh, when it's wet or slightly damp it is quite quite grippy still mm-hmm. mm. and you said durable like how hard is that to scratch oh you can scratch it yeah yeah, yeah. like you can scratch a wooden or a synthetic stock but the difference is you're not going to scratch through the surface Look, there's that many layers of carbon in there, you're never going to go through the first point two millimetres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll just keep on wearing out from there. Wearing out? Yeah, so the surface will just rub down and you can fix it yourself. With carbon? Or was no, just with a bit of light sandpaper and yeah. you don't go too far. <laughs> you've, got, you've got about three millimetres, so it's it's pretty pretty yeah. consistent all over. Yeah. yeah. Point two is only a fraction of a scratch. I reckon good content to be doing like a mid um, metal rock band guitar smash. Yeah, well, you can stand on it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, we had um, had Gerald stand on one of our damage stocks that failed in the autoclave, and uh, we posted that up on Instagram. We got a lot of people commenting and messaging saying it's it's impossible. It's it's strong and it was hollow, so there's no fill on the inside, no beating block. And um, then these guys came down from Otrahonga to have a look at putting their weather bands into one of our stocks and to have a look at our, our guns. And they said, oh, we saw your video on Instagram and the photos, you know, is there any chance that we can give it a go? So one of the guys, I think his name was Simon, he, he stood on it, didn't break. He's blown away by that and he's looking at it and then his mate jumped on it at the same time. So there's two, two like adults, so probably about 100, and, 100 kilos each, maybe 80 kilos each. And it withstood their weight as a hollow shell. Yeah. 
and I just rapped by that. Was that that one that you were showing me, or a different one? No, nah, different one. Yeah. yeah, I think I've thrown that one away now. Yeah, yeah. But even like the one they said, oh, this one's failed. It, like you gave it a twist and it creaked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the sort of stuff that we can't can't use. It's it's not laminated. It's not structural. Yeah. Yeah. The epoxies haven't the resin hasn't come out to the surface of the mold. Yeah. Yep. So it's not fully embedded. Yeah. Um. Did you want to talk about the material of of the carbon? Yeah. So we get our material in from two different places, uh, from the UK and from Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's quite nice supporting other other people across the ditch, like in, in Aussie, the stuff they manufacture in house. They were manufacturers specifically for your recipe. Mm-hmm. We can't go into that too much, but um, at the end of the day, it's it's pre-pre carbon you can buy from anywhere really. Yeah, it just has a different touch to what we're doing. Yeah. Mm. And is there anyone in New Zealand making it or making carbon? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. No, I, I know there's a quite a large company up in Auckland that imports it. Yeah, and there's a couple of people that support the sailing industry doing the same thing, but um. I don't think there's anyone in New Zealand that's manufacturing carbon fiber. So is it a byproduct of fuel or not sure? No, I'm not sure on no, that one. That's all good. I just like it. Yeah, it's useful. Yeah. And then your uh, your bolt reiterations? Yeah, so we recently made a couple of changes to our, um, our bolts for our short actions. And being a part of the Glacier family, when you, when you purchase your uh, rifle from us, it's got a limited lifetime warranty. So if we make an upgrade like this, mm-hmm. we'll offer that same upgrade to everyone else across the wow. family that's got that same action from that day. Yeah. Yep. That's loose. Yeah. And so what have, what have you done to it? We made it lighter. <laughs> yeah. That's the game, man. Yeah, but we haven't sacrificed any strength. And um, we've we've gone around and put our logo on the bolt handles on the underside. Yep. And we've gone and put this uh, really nice uh, stag on the other side of the handle. Yeah. And you were saying about the, the coating as well. Yep. So these are these are just nitride hardened. Yeah. Yep. So there's no coating system on there. Yeah. Soda blast finished or Cerakote finished. And the coating before with the titanium on titanium, what was that? Yes, yeah, so that's the um, high nickel, so that's the, the anti-galling. When you run titanium on titanium, you've got a potential gallness coming up. So that's when the two surfaces react or they have a different material, like a bit of dust or dirt getting in there and they can start to, to rub up. So that won't happen on this? No. No. And yeah. when to flute them to reduce some more weight. So what should people do to care for it? nothing try it just clean it with clean it as you normally would yeah with an oil or no? yep. yeah that's cool but my type of hunting and maintenance is pretty pretty slack it sits <laughs> in the most, cupboard after i think most I've used it and, <laughs> unless someone reminds me that i've got to go and clean my rifle it's, it doesn't get done until that happens or someone tells me that it looks like it looks like rubbish at the last NZTA shoot in Topo, i was in a conversation between Lee Perry and, and Saren and Lee's just giving him I don't know how serious he was being about like not bothering with cleaning and rotting and everything but yeah he was just like oh you're just you're just trying to sell stuff Saren that was quite funny <laughs> <laughs> I know it must be working like I, I don't do that much hunting anymore because I'm spending more time working but um it uh, hasn't missed so yeah. well I haven't missed it hasn't stopped functioning I guess yeah yeah and then the magazine what what do we what do we got yep so um like everything else that we make we we make it all in-house um so it's a, a four-part com- uh, magazine uh, three rounds so all our mags are, are three plus one and then our drop bottom floor plates and then we the same sometimes you can push four depending on your caliper size yeah yep so we manufacture everything out of um 7000 series aluminium so it's it's rigid it holds its shape it's durable same material as what we make um, aircraft components out of yeah and then they're hard andized so they're not going to wear away as as fast yeah but they're they're still light and do you do um aftermarket stuff for people no 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 not at this stage It's definitely easier to make um make a product for your own yeah line of things <laughs> than it is to try to suit everyone else. 
So you guys are gunsmiths? No. No? No, we don't promote ourselves as gunsmiths. We have gunsmiths that do work for us. Um, but we're precision engineers. Uh, we like to say that our rifles are blueprinted, so from the start of the material, going through the process into the machines, through quality, it's it's made to fit mm-hmm. already. There's no hand fitting, there's no um, hand assembly. You can take one item from one rifle and put it into another rifle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, so what are you guys not doing? Barrels and triggers? Yep, correct. We use uh, Timney Precision Triggers and we'll use True Flight for um, standard stainless steel barrels. Yeah. Yeah. Or bring your own. <laughs> That's another option. You can supply your own barrel blank and we can do the same thing. Yep. Awesome. Which is quite handy. So, so is this like quite fun? It's quite, like it was awesome getting a tour of the workshop. Yep. Yeah. But like, the, is the day-to-day as a precision engineer quite fun as well? It is. Yeah. yeah. It can be stressful and it's really enjoyable too at the same time. So yeah. when you're working with a piece of material that's worth more than, than a lot of other parts that you can do, it's... Yeah really get up there but some of the work you do is it's really rewarding because you're taking that raw piece of material and you're basically shaping it into that finished product whether it's for a space satellite or for an airplane or for someone's human body joint mm. com- components so yeah i do get quite a kick out of it on that medical stuff where did that where did that start it's been there from the start really yeah yeah um it's precision engineering any difference nowadays it's 3d printed and they'll machine key key components features yeah that take the small bearings or their wear surface mm. so did you Zealand have something to do with artificial joints or i'm unsure about that um i know there's companies in new zealand that 3d print those components yeah and then being in new zealand we're innovative so we can machine it if you can design it and you can print it you need to be able to finish it at the same time yeah because it's not just the finished part. You can't have additive manufacturing and offer a finished component that needs to have a, a particular surface finish or um, like a joint or like a bearing diameter or a bushing. Yeah. You have to machine them. Yep. And so once it's made, does it then need to go into some sort of sterilizing situation? Or yeah, that's out of our hands. Out of your hands, yep. yeah. So you've got the components and then it gets... Yep ready for surgery ready for theater we just get it right you just get it right just get it right yeah yeah every time yeah yeah so who's doing quality on that so we've got our own in-house quality team here Mm -hmm. um and they work closely with our machinists on the shop floor Mm -hmm. every day and those are just the specs that are passed in you make sure they've met that yep and the tolerances and stuff are all set yep yeah yeah so (laughs) what the customer wants just do the job eh pretty much it's that simple yep simple business model really do the job <laughs> just be innovative <laughs> yeah you've got to figure out how to hold it and how you're going to machine it and yeah, make up custom tools for it and we've got all that here in new zealand yeah yeah no that's really cool so where did what's this is this your website rolling past yep yeah nz and instagram is that worthy yep i think so yeah um just search up glacier rifles on instagram yeah and you'll you'll pick it up and anywhere else uh yeah we're based on facebook at the same time yeah yep so just glacier rifle company or grc yeah yeah or just mention it to a few people and they'll tell you where tell you some people know where we are some people don't it's quite nice do you want them coming here or kind of (laughs) No, I think give it a couple of years and we'll probably have our own shop space. Yeah. Purpose built around Glacier. That's so cool. Yeah. Maybe down in the middle of the uh, countryside in the King Country somewhere. Nice. Yeah. Far away so I can retire over there and do that. <laughs> what you say? Have your own hunting block. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only work when the sun shines. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what, you're currently a, uh, did you say 2017? Oh yeah, so you're about a six year overnight success at the moment. Yep. Yeah, give it a couple five more years and it'll be a proper overnight success yeah I, I think so and it's quite nice we've grown this slow yeah um it, it means we can keep our quality exactly what it needs to be and we can make a really nice product at the same time yeah 
keeping everything affordable as much as we can by doing all our own in-house manufacturing is another big gain from that. Yeah. You're not having to pay to import and, and worry about the exchange rates. So. <laughs> That's true. So that, that, that there, was that what you, you sent away when you said I can do a shotgun? Nah, so um, I had a friend, Ryan. I didn't own a Benelli M2 at the time, and I needed to borrow one. Right. And he lived over in Taranga, and I needed to go over to him, pick it up, come back to here. He's left-hander shooter too. So I'd have to do all my testing with that and then come back again, drop it off, go and ask if I can borrow it again, come pick it up. And um, we made it happen. So that was one of the first uh, renditions that we came up with. And it lasted, uh, well, I think, three years now, four years. Mm. And so just, this was why you knew you could do it? Or? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's the trial and error that's what makes it what it is. So you've done this already? Yep. Yeah. And so what's, what's it attaching with? So that's the Benelli M2s have a basically like a big pull stud that runs through the middle and they've got a spring inside it. Mm-hmm. And then this just screws onto the back of the that shaft. And um, you can still use your standard shim kits that go on the on them. And you can change your, um, your cant angle at the same time. So it uses all the standard OEM shims and you just unbolt it, bolt this one on, put on a recoil pad and you're shooting. Yep. Index. Yep. And this was, yeah, stoked when I put this on the wall and frame it, I think. <laughs> I'll touch it again. <laughs> yeah, like you can feel how thin that carbon is and it's, it's done absolutely amazing jobs. And now the new ones, uh, they've got more carbon in them than they needed. Yeah. And um, with trial and error, I've developed other stocks, like for the Breda A400 Extreme. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, they, they really pulled their weight. <laughs> We've come a long way. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, what keeps you flowing along? Do you have a way you live your life or a mantra or a quote or anything like that? You've got two generations ahead of you. That's always helpful. Yeah, I think I've got quite a bit of guidance. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's an issue. It's it's not an issue. It's it's hard to work with family, but at the same time, it can be quite rewarding. I've seen where I've come from and where I am now, where I want to be, and the the timeline in that frame is isn't that big. So yeah, yeah, and if I don't get to it, then I just push the date out of it further and carry on. Yeah, and can you kind of see that laid out for you, like you say, with the two more generations and a hitty. definitely yeah um my father and his his father have done a really good job of setting this business up and um i think they've done it in a way that it, it can be passed on to the next generation and, and follow through from there having the support from my grandfather and and my father here um it's quite good but at the same time having the support from um my partner at home is it's even better i spend more time here than i do at home sometimes and if I'm at home and the fire siren goes, well, then I'm not at home anymore. I'm doing something else. So yeah, being there and having people support me in, in all those groups is mm. it's quite good. They can see a lot of potential and, and drive and where, where it's going to go to. So which, which fire station is it? Uh, Narawakia. Yep. yep. And how broad are you guys? Um, in what way for... Yeah, like how, what's your catchment? Uh, we go from uh, Horatu Road up through to Huntley. And mm-hmm. we go up and down the expressway. Yeah. yeah. And did you have, with that Raglan Road closure, did you have much to do with that? No, we've, um, I'll say a touch wood, but we didn't have that many calls during the, the, potential, the bad weather, so. Yeah. Yeah, which is quite good. But now that it's closed, we go to quite a few other incidents that, that pop up. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Have, um, what was your training for that? I uh, did a year's recruits training at the station six years ago. And then they sent me on a recruits course, which goes for a seven-day period over in Rotorua Rotorua, at NTC. Yep. Yep. And you meet some fantastic people over there, and then you, you pass your course. And I'm still a firefighter now. They, they give me grief for it every day because you're supposed to progress through the ranks. <laughs> and you have an or No, I'm pretty good at staying stationary sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you find that comfortable point, and you're like, oh, I'll just stay a firefighter. Yeah. So then I got signed off as a firefighter, and um, after that, I've kind of just stayed there, really. Yeah. Yeah, I do little bits of innovation. I can see 
points in the market, like not the market, but the industry for firefighting that there is gaps. Yeah. And um, I like to innovate and tinker around through there. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've stayed a firefighter because it's it's easy to put your time into things that you want to be focused on and not so much of progressing through. How does it feel looking at the appliances and, and all that sort of stuff? Do you start to get out you like, that could be better brain? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brain it's a big ship to turn around, eh? Like, yeah. So I've seen this one on our truck out here in Ngarawahi. What do you reckon about the nationwide? <laughs> yeah. It's just, just small small things that you, you pick up on, like how you do your job and is there a way that you can come up with something that's going to make your job easier and... Like um, behind you on the shelf, there's on the top shelf there, there's that blue, blue yeah. and orange cable component, and that's called a hinge wedge. So um, I saw a saw a need to to make something. So when you go through a door, you can put that on the hinge, so the door's not going to close back in your game. Mm-hmm. So since we go through quite a few commercial properties and even households, it's good to have the door pinned open, to push it open, whack it in there. Yep. Yeah. And um, you can use that to hold the door steady drag hoses through you can bang the door it doesn't shift out and if you dropped it on the floor you can easily kick it into the door to keep it open oh wow right so it's a single-handed operation done deal carry on as you're going through and you know that your safety to follow your hose back out is going to be there every single time so and so where would you have that uh, my one just hangs on my bunker jacket mm-hmm. my level two jacket and that's just um sitting there always ready to go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have you done the sky tower yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done it. Um, I think it was four, yeah, four years now. Yeah, yeah. What well, what ways have you done it? Uh, I've done it three times. Don and started. Uh, very first time is when I set my my good record, mm-hmm. and I got a habit of not training for things. <laughs> so I think I did that in twenty twenty minutes or twenty one minutes sixty seconds. Um, no, it must have just been on twenty one minutes. I think and. That was fantastic. That was great. Yeah, no training involved. I had McDonald's for breakfast. Um, powered you, up. You sand belt. Pretty much. <laughs> Got like someone's chasing you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and back then I was a lot fitter at the same time, so I guess that was a bit of a bonus. Then you get comfortable, and I did it again. Got a slower time. Did it again. Got a slower time uh, last year. Uh, I can't even remember my time. But um, I did that dawn, not started this time, so I didn't have the uh, breathing apparatus on yeah. on my face anyway. I had to carry it up on my back, mm. and yeah, I did that pretty well. So yeah, me and my mate Scott went up. Mm. How close are you to running out? Uh, I've had the whistle going as I was going up. So the last flight is, is that days. a noti- notification whistle? Yeah, yeah, that you've got yeah got a little bit of your left. Because what you got to control your, your breath, right? Is yep. it kind of like scuba where you got to like... Yep. Yeah. But you just go for the clappers. And, yeah. only and how one, do you make it? <laughs> yeah. And it's been one time I um, I left my fire helmet back at the station. And we already stayed the night up there. And the fire chief was up there supporting us. And he had his helmet in the back of his car. So Is that a different color? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I asked my mates uh, coming back up from Narrow here to Auckland for the for the event. They grabbed my helmet on the way. Yeah. And um, they had it with them, but since the chief already passed me his helmet, he was like, "I'm not taking it back to the car. Uh, You've got to wear it up the up the <laughs> stairs." So yeah, that was a bit embarrassing. Did you do him proud? I'd like to think I did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, made it to the top, which is the main point. Yeah, yeah, we raised raised quite a lot of money that year too. And what's what's the money going towards? Uh, blood cancer leukemia. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a cool event. Um, oh, it's it's fantastic. I love it. We've, yeah. it's, we've got some new recruits that have done their course and you know, they're firefighters and they're doing it this year. Yeah, and it's quite good seeing other people get into it. What's it? What's a commitment for a volunteer firefighter? Um, your time you got shift shift allocation, right? Yeah, so we break it up into shifts. Um, it's basically two days, two weekends a month. Mm-hmm. And then when you're on duty, I think that's right, roster duty. And then from there, it's when the siren goes, two truck call, you go, if you're available. Mm. And how do they figure that out? What do you mean? 
that you're available oh so we've got um an app now called ams mm-hmm. and it tells you whether you're there or you're not there and it uses gps if you want to use that to more accurately say if you're in town or out of town mm-hmm. yep right sounds sounds good it's just the government tracking you so. <laughs> no. let's not go there no. <laughs> sweet sam i hope uh lots of people have found and or found out more about you and yeah about glacier rifle it's bloody interesting yeah no thanks um how often, how many people can come do what i've just done <laughs> oh. you might be inundated yeah we've been not we've only, been not start that only, only a couple of people have so far yeah yeah we don't we don't mind telling people where we are but it's um it's making sure it's the right people that know yeah yep brilliant no thank you so much for your time this is a sunday it is and uh yeah i hope uh, that chat with nzda what will be the previous thursday goes well man yeah no i'm looking forward to it it'll be nice to show um show them what we do and what we can do and yeah. is your dad going to talk too or just you i'm hoping he does <laughs> i'm not very good at the whole talking part <laughs> you've done well man. you've done well awesome let's end that there cheers no. cheers mate